Hello all my nieces and nephews and welcome to Auntie Jojo's Library. My library is open to all listeners but it was specifically created for my seven wonderful nieces and nephews. This week, Firefly has already released his first history sode. If you haven't had a chance to listen, I recommend going back to the previous episode and listening. He gives a quick history on gingerbread houses and the Christmas tree. This episode, we're going to be reading a story called The Gift of the Magi. Let's get started. $1.87, that was all and 60 cents of it was pennies. Pennies saved one and two at a time by bulldozing the grocer and the vegetable man and the butcher until one's cheeks burned with silent imputation of parsimony that such close dealings implied. Three times Della counted it, $1.87, and the next day would be Christmas. There was clearly nothing to do but flop down on the shabby little couch and howl, so Della did it which instigates the moral reflection that life is made up of sobs, sniffles, and smiles with sniffles. While the mistress of the home is gradually subsidizing from the first stage to the second, take a look at the home. A furnished flat at $8 a week. It did not exactly beggar description, but it certainly had the world on the lookout. In the vestibule below was a letter box into which no letter would go, and an electric button from which no mortal finger could coax a ring. Also appertaining thereunto was a card bearing the name Mr. James Dillingham Young. The Dillingham had been flung to the breeze during a former period of prosperity when its professor was being paid $30 a week. Now, when the income was shrunk to 20 though they were still thinking seriously of contracting the modest and unassuming D, but whenever Mr. James Dillingham Young came home and reached his flat above, he was called Jim and greatly hugged by Miss James Dillingham Young, already introduced to you as Della, which is all very good. Della finished her cry and attended to her cheeks with a powder rag. She stood by the window and looked out dully at the gray cat walking a gray fence in a gray backyard. Tomorrow would be Christmas Day, and she had only $1.87 with which to buy Jim a present. She had been saving every penny she could for months. With this result, $20 a week doesn't go far. Expenses had been greater than she had calculated. They always were. Only $1.87 to buy a present for Jim, her Jim. Many a happy hour she spent planning for something nice for him, something fine and rare and sterling, something just a little bit near to be worthy of the honor of being owned by Jim. There was a great piper glass between the windows of the room. Perhaps you've seen piper glass in an $8 flat. A very thin and very agile person may, by observing his reflection in a rapid sequence of longitudinal strips, obtain a fairly accurate conception of his looks. Della, being slender, had mastered the art. Suddenly, she whirled from the window and stood before the glass. Her eyes were shining brilliantly, and her face had lost its color within 20 seconds. Rapidly, she pulled down her hair and let it fall to full length. Now, there were two possessions of James Dillingham, Dillingham Young's in which they both took a mighty pride. One was Jim's gold watch, 
that he had been that had been his father's and his grandfather's. The other was Della's hair. Had the Queen of Sheba lived in the flat across the air shaft, Della would have let her hair hang out the window someday to dry just to deprecate Her Majesty's jewels and gifts. Had Kingdom Solemn been the janitor, with all the treasures piled up in the basement, Jim would have pulled out his watch every time he passed, just to see him pluck at his beard envi- enviously. So now Della's beautiful hair fell about her, ripping and shining, rippling and shining like a cascade of brown waters. It reached below her knee, and it made itself almost a garment for her. And then she did it up again nervously and quickly. Once she faltered for a minute and stood still with a tear or or two splashed on the worn red carpet. On went her old brown jacket. On went her brown hat. With a whirl of a skirt and with the brilliant sparkle still in her eye, she fluttered out the door and down the street and down the stairs to the street. Where she stopped and the sign read, Men Sofrin, hair looks of all kind. One flight up, Della ran and collected herself, panting. Madame, large, too white, chilly, hardly looked, the Sofrin. Will you buy my hair? Della asked. I buy hair, said Madame. Take your hat off and let me have a sight at the looks of it. Down rippled the brown cascade. Twenty dollars, said Madame, lifting the mask in her hand. Give it to me quick, said Della. Oh, and the next two hours tripped by on rosy wings. Forget the hashed metaphor. She was ransacked the stores for Jim. She ransacked the stores for Jim's present. She found it at last. It would, it surely had been made for him and no one else. There was no other like it in the stores and she had turned all of them inside out. It was a platinum fob chain, simple and chaste in design, properly pl- proclaiming its value of substance alone and not by ornamentation as all good things should do. It was even worthy of the watch. As soon as she saw it, she knew that it must be Jim's. It was like him, quietness and value. The description applied to both. $20 they took from her, and she hurried home with 87 cents. Sorry, $21 they took from her, and she hurried home with 81 cents. With the chain on his watch, Jim might properly anxious about the time in his company. Grand as the watch was, he sometimes looked at it on the sly, on the account that the old leather strap he used in place of a chain. When Della reached home for her intoxication, reached home, her intoxication gave way a little to prudence and reason. She got out her curling iron and light, lighted the gas and went to work preparing the ra- ravage made by the generosity added to love, which is always a tremendous task, dear friends, a mammoth task. Within 40 minutes, her head was covered with tiny, close-lined curls that made her look wonderful but like a schoolboy. She looked at her reflection in the mirror carefully and critically. If Jim doesn't kill me, she said to herself, before he takes a second look at me, he'll say I look like Coney Island chorus girl, but what could I do? Oh, what could I do with a dollar and 87 cents? At seven o'clock, the coffee was made and the frying pan was on the back of the stove, hot and ready for the chops. Jim was never late. Della doubted the fob chain in her hand and sat at the corner of the table near the door 
that he always entered. Then she heard his step on the stair away down on the first flight, and she turned white for just a moment. She had a bit she had a habit of saying little silent prayers about the simplest things throughout the day. And now she whispered, Please God, make him think I'm still pretty. The door opened and Jim stepped in and closed it. He looked thin and very serious. Poor fella, he was only 22 and to be burdened with a family, he needed a new overcoat and he and he was without gloves. Jim stepped inside the door. His eyes were fixed upon Della and there was an expression in them that he could not read and it terrified her. It was not anger, nor surprise, nor disapproval nor horror, nor any of the sentiments that she had prepared for. He simply stared at her fixedly with the particular expression on his face. Della wriggled off the table and went for him. Jim, darling, she cried, don't look at me that way. I had my hair cut off and sewed it because I couldn't have lived through another Christmas without giving you a present. It'll grow out again. You won't mind, will you? I I just had to do it. My hair grows awfully fast. Say Merry Christmas, Jim, and let's be happy. You don't know what a nice, what a beautiful gift I've got for you. You cut your hair off? Jim asked, as if it had not arrived at the patent fact yet, even after the hardest mental labor. Cut it off and sold it, Della said. Don't you like me just as well, anyhow? I'm me without hair, ain't I? Jim looked around the room curiously. You say your hair is gone, he said, with an air almost of idiocy. You needn't look for it, Della said. It's sold, I tell you, sold and gone. It's Christmas Eve, boy. Be good to me, for it went for you. Maybe the hair on my head were numbered, but she went on with a sudden serious sweetness. But nobody could ever count my love for you. Shall I put the chops on, Jim? Out out on his terrace, Jim quickly, Jim seemed quickly to wake. He enfolded his Della. For 10 seconds, let us regard the discreet scrutiny, some inconsequential object in the other direction. $8 a week or a million a year, what is the difference? A A mathematician or a wit would give you the wrong answer. The Magi brought valuable gifts, but that was not among them. This dark assertion will be illuminating later on. Jim drew a package from his overcoat pocket and threw it upon the table. Don't make any mistake, Della, he said, about me. I don't think there's there's anything in the way of a hair cut or a shave or a shampoo that could make me like my girl any less. But if you'll unwrap that package, you'll see why you had me going a while at first. White fingers and nimble tore at the string and paper, and then an elastic scream of joy, and then alas, a quick feminine change to hysterical tears and wells, necessitating the immediate employment of the comforting bowers of the lord of the flat. For there lie the combs, the set of combs, side and back, that Della had worshipped long in a Broadway window. Beautiful combs, pure turquoise shell with jeweled rims, just the shade to wear in the beautiful vanished hair, in the beautiful vanished hair. They were expensive combs, she knew, and her heart had simply craved and yearned over them without the least hope of possession. And now they were hers. But the trezies that would have adorned the covet adornment were gone. 
but she hugged them to her bosom and at length she was able to look up with dim eyes and smile and say my hair grows fast jim and then della leaped up like a little signed cat and cried oh oh jim had not yet seen his beautiful present she held it out eagerly upon her own palm the dull precious metal seemed a flash with a reflection of her bright adernan spirit isn't it dandy jim i hunted all over to find it you'll have to look at the time a hundred times a day now give me your watch i want to see how it looks on it instead of obeying jim turned on the couch and put his hand under the back of his head and smiled dell he said let's put our christmas presents away and keep them a while they're too nice to use just as presents i sold the watch to get the money to buy your combs and now suppose you put the chops on the magi as you know were wise men wonderful wonderfully wise men who brought gifts to the babe in the manger they invented the art of giving christmas presents being wise their gifts were no doubt wise ones possibly bearing the privilege of exchange in case of duplication and here i have lamely related to you the uneventful chronicles of two foolish children in a flat who most unwisely sacrificed for each other the greatest treasures of their house but in a last word to the wise of these days let it be said that all who give gifts these two were the wisest Oh all who give and receive gifts such as they are wisest everywhere they are wisest they are magi Thank you so much for joining me in my library for this story stay tuned next Thursday as we will be releasing another story in the library If you have story suggestions, you can email me at auntiejojoslibrary at gmail.com. As always, I'm looking forward to sharing more stories with you.